0: Good morning, and grace and peace to you. Now it's been prayed for and mentioned already, but I'm just encouraging you to pray for KidZone, for all of us who are helpers, and for all the children and their families. just really encourage you to do that. And this will be my last pitch this year for the men's retreat. You will be blessed if you go. And you may be changed forever. I'll just say that. You may be. So I just want to encourage you. If you can do it, do it. Come with Don and myself. And a whole lot of other brothers. You'll just... You'll be blessed. You'll have a good time. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. All right, Isaiah 40, talking about the power of grace. And thank you, Jim, for the songs. We often associate grace with salvation, and we should. But I think we tend to associate grace only with salvation. And I think there's more to it than that. And that's what we're going to look at today. The power of grace. Let's read here from Isaiah. And this is a favorite passage of many. It's one of, one of my favorites. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden with the Lord? And the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord... The creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. It's a very inspiring passage of scripture. But I want to ask you a question right now, in your spiritual journey. Be honest. Do God's words here describe your life? Are you soaring like an eagle? Or are you just scratching along like a one of the field mice? Are you barely able to walk? Are you stumbling? Are you out of gas? You know, the news of the day can get us down. A lot of things can get us down illnesses, growing old, problems with the family. But, how are you doing spiritually? God has a message for us, and our message is starting here. Despite all the troubles of life, we are supposed to soar like eagles. Yes, we are. We're not to be down, grumpy, sad, out of gas, and barely making it. This is not the Christian. Verse 29 here is the key. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks power or might, he increases power. It's done in the power of God and not your own power. That's why so many of us just barely crawl along in our spiritual life. We're trying to do it by ourselves. We're not looking to God to get the strength. It's his power in you. And what a wonderful combination that is. That's why God designed it. That we would cooperate with him and he would work through us, even as Rick prayed, that the light of God might shine through us. We're to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. This is God's design. He understands and knows that we cannot live this life by ourselves. And we just keep trying to do it. And we get disappointed, and we struggle, and we wander, And even people fall away because they don't get it. And they won't humble themselves and ask God for the help they need. They just won't do it. So let's look at the power of God's grace. And I'm going to use here from 1 Corinthians 12. Paul's situation with the thorn in the flesh. It's really uh, 2 Corinthians 12, isn't it? Do we have that wrong on the sheet? Okay, it's 2 Corinthians 12. I got it wrong on my lesson. But I know where it is. 2 Corinthians 12. Let's read the first four verses. Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I cannot tell. God knows was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. As you read on, you understand Paul is, of course, talking about himself. There isn't any doubt about that. And this was a great privilege and honor for Paul. And he's even saying he isn't quite sure how this happened. You know, was I in my body when this happened? Was I taken out of my body? Was this a spiritual thing? He says, I don't know. He says, all I know is it happened to me. And this is often the way God works. We just don't know how he does it. God's ways are above our ways, right, from Isaiah? We just don't know how he does it, but he does. And so Paul wasn't quite sure, but he was there. In the third heaven, he refers to it as paradise. and You know, that's rarefied air. Up there in the heavenlies, in the glory of God area you know, in the angelic realms as we sing sometimes. What what a privilege that he was allowed to go there and hear inexpressible words which a man, a man is not permitted to speak. Now, I know for a lot of us, all of a sudden, we start to wonder, what are those words, right? (laughs) Our curiosity is aroused wonder what Paul heard. And I just wonder how difficult it was, and maybe for Paul it wasn't, but thinking how difficult it was for him from that time forward not to repeat any of those words that he was not allowed to repeat. You know, he got in a conversation somebody starts to say something. He says, well, you know, uh, well, but you know, I, I, I can tell you, well, you know. And he just couldn't say it wasn't allowed. Once again, it reminds us there is another world. There is another realm, as we were talking about in our Bible class this morning. An angelic realm, the heavenlies, where God actually is. And there's interaction all the time between that realm and this world in which we live. All the time. Something to keep in mind to to buoy up your faith. So, uh, anyway, Paul Paul was blessed here. But now let's look how this unfolds. Okay, you might think, well, that's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing. I wish I could, you know, that would happen to me and so forth. Well, when you're blessed, there's a responsibility comes with it. Always. Verse 5. On behalf of such a man, I will... Boast, all right? But on my own behalf I will not boast except in regard to my weaknesses. For I do not wish to boast, for if I do wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from this, so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. So here Paul differentiates between the man who went up in heaven and, the, and himself. Or as I termed it here, the paradise man and the earthbound man. And as Paul he's saying here, on my behalf I will not boast. He says, I might bo- boast about the fellow that went up there. But I'm, I'm back down here, my feet are on the ground, and I'm not going to boast about me. All right? He so says, I'm not going to boast about me. And it reminded me of 1 Corinthians 131, where he says, if a man boasts. Let him boast in the Lord, not in himself. He says, I'm not going to boast about that I went up there. That, No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try to make myself look better than anybody else that I was privileged to go up there. That's not going to happen. I'm just going to boast about me, old Paul, down here in this body of flesh. And then he speaks about boasting in regard to my weaknesses. How strange that sounds. That sounds strange to you. I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. We don't do that, do we? Uh, we say, oh, I can do this. I did that. Look what I did. You know, I'm strong here. I, you know, I, I pray a lot. I read the Bible a lot. Uh, I make a lot of visits. but We don't boast in our weaknesses. What's Paul talking about? Have we missed something? It reminds me there of Isaiah 40 we just read. Those are tired and weary and can't walk. Paul's boasting in his weaknesses. You know, I think about Paul looking at what Paul did. All those missionary journeys, all those travels, all those churches he he founded, if you will, he let God use him. All the places he preached, all the things that he suffered for the sake of Christ. He was bold, he was courageous. But Paul says, I only boast in my weaknesses. What is he talking about? Verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, and this is where we know for sure it was Paul that went up there, because of that surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. So with that blessing of having gone up into paradise and heard those inexpressible words, Paul receives a burden as well. A thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to torment me. And of course that's what Satan loves to do, isn't it? To torment us. To bother us. To jab us. Any time, any opportunity he can. As a price Paul had to pay for this trip to paradise. I think too much speculation is made about what that thorn was. Paul didn't reveal it, so I don't think we need to explore it. But I don't think we think enough about why the thorn. That's the key thing here. Why was he given this thorn, whatever it was, to bother him, and Satan was allowed to use it to bother him, to torment him on evidently a regular basis. What was that all about? Well, he says here it was to keep me from exalting myself. Paul had been in some lofty company up there, as I said, in the rarefied air. And God understood even the great apostle Paul, as we would say, was human. He was human. And so he's saying there's a danger here for my man Paul. That if I let him come up here and hear these words and have this experience, that he might exalt himself and think, hey, I am really somebody here. And I don't want that to happen to him. So I'm going to give him what he needs. A messenger of Satan to torment him, a thorn in the flesh. I've said before, and we always have to keep this in mind, God is most interested in your salvation and your spiritual growth more than anything else. Beyond your physical health, beyond your well-being, he wants you saved and he wants you to grow spiritually. And he'll do anything to cause that to happen. Even to torment you. Even to bring some trouble into your life to allow it to come, to turn you back to him. We see this everywhere in Scripture. It's what he did with Israel as a nation. He brought the Assyrians. He brought trouble with them all the time, trying to bring, get them to repent. And he does it for individuals as well. And so the message is kind of a preventive thing with Paul. Nevertheless, it's the same idea. There is that danger, you know, when you get to paradise and you really do soar like the eagles, that you will look down on everybody else and think, well, they're nothing but rodents down there on the ground. And we should never do that. That's not Christian, it's not Christ like. You may have a thorn in the flesh right now, you might think about your life. I don't know. But God is using it to teach you, to guide you, to help you to not be exalted, to keep you in the straight and narrow. You may have one. If you recognize it, it may be something he will never take away. Because he knows you need it. He knows you need it to continue to grow spiritually. Okay, verse 8. Look what Paul did concerning this. This thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan. I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. That's logical. It's expected. It's what God says to do. Pray. It's the right thing to do. And God oversees every aspect of our lives. We would expect that from Paul. What's the response? And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. See, God has other things in mind for Paul. He says, it's not about the thorn in the flesh. It's about my grace. He says, my grace is sufficient. My favor, my favor, my blessing is sufficient. It isn't about the trouble, Paul. It isn't about the pain. It isn't about the thorn in the flesh or any inconvenience that this might bother you with. It's about you learning to lean on me. That's what this is about. You learning to trust me, Paul, you learning to rely on me and get all your strength from me and understand that I am doing the right thing by you. You've just got to trust me. That's what this is about. I'm not taking it away, says, because you need it. My grace is sufficient. Grace here doesn't mean saving grace. That's not what's in view. It's grace here that's God's favor is expressed by his power and strength for Paul, his blessing, his protection, his providential care, his presence in God's life. That's what he's talking about is answering Paul's prayer and keeping his promises to Paul. My grace is sufficient. I can carry you through the day. I can carry you through every adversity, every problem, every disease, every trouble. I will carry you through, but you must turn to me to help you do it. My grace is sufficient for any problem. You know, the question for each one of us is, do we see God's grace as sufficient for us? When we have a need, a problem, trouble, do we turn to God? Totally and completely and rely on Him? Or do we still try to slog through it on our own? Never pray. Never consult the Word. Never look to Him. We just fight, fight it out. God's grace is there. You know, like I said, some of us are so proud, so stubborn, we will not humble ourselves and turn to God and say, Lord, help me. I need you to get I need your help to get through this. We just won't do it. But God's grace is sufficient, you see. This is a message for every Christian. I will give you the strength you need. Isaiah 40, 29. I will help you. I will bless you. But you've got to turn to me. What's he say? My power is perfected where? In weakness. Not in your strength, but in your weakness. That's where my power is perfected. When you confess... You can't do it. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm down. I'm done. I don't know what to do. Turn to God. God will say, it's about time. I've been here all along. What were you waiting on? Why'd you beat yourself up? Why'd you go through that for two months and never turn to me? The power is perfected in weakness. Until a person learns to rely totally upon God, he or she will never experience the full power of the Almighty working in their lives. He won't just jump in. We know that from Scripture. He will not just jump in. You have got to invite Him. You've got to call on Him. You've got to ask Him. Your heart has to be turned to Him. And He'll gladly come. But that's the way this thing works. It always works that way. He shows Himself. He's there. I'm available. This is what I'll do for you. But you have got to make the decision. You have got to come. Whether it's someone who's a sinner out here in the world and you need salvation or whether it's the Christian fighting through temptations and troubles, you've got to ask God to help and not try to do it by yourself. Therefore, Paul says, what? I will rather boast about my weaknesses. That's what he's talking about. Why? Because then the power of Christ will dwell in me. That's when I get the power of Christ, the power of God. That's why I can do these things. Because I recognize I can't do them by myself. And that's the great blessing. Now I can do them. Because Christ is working through me. That's real power. That's divine power. And I think it's one reason why the church really flails around today. Because we're not calling on God to help us. We're not asking him. We're looking to our own strengths. We're not confessing our weaknesses and saying, Lord, we need your help. Some companion scriptures from Ephesians. and I'm pretty sure this is Ephesians 1. I think I got this one right. 1.18 and 20. 18 to 20. I pray... That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Notice in accordance. It's the same power. The strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. It's the very same, the power of God is the power of God. It's the very same power that raised Christ from the dead that works in the Christian. Now, this power. This is part part of Paul's prayer here for these Ephesians. They would experience this power. They would turn to God and rely upon it. Ephesians chapter 3, 16. That he would grant you another prayer. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Trying to grasp the love of God. It surpasses knowledge. I think he's talking there about it surpasses human knowledge. And we need help from God to try to grasp this love of his. But we're not done. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Now just think about that thought for a minute. In our own feeble minds. Earthbound minds, we think and wonder what God can do. And God says, nah, far beyond anything that you can ask or think. He said, you can't even imagine what I can do. Think about that. You can't even imagine what I can do. According to the power, to him who's able to do more than we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us. It does. The same power we're talking about. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. But you can't have that power unless you admit your weakness and your need for it. God, I need your power. I need your strength. I need your help. And understand this. No problem is too big. No situation is too small for God to handle. He'll take on anything. The biggest trouble you got the tiniest little situation. He says, call on me. He doesn't differentiate. He doesn't say, just bring me the big things. That's never said in Scripture. He says, bring it all. Second Corinthians 12.10 Therefore, look, look where Paul is. We wonder about Paul. And we say he's probably one of the greatest Men, Christians who ever walked, certainly out of the New Testament, we see what he did. This is how he did it, folks. I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. He says, I'm content with all that. He's not asking God to take any of it away anymore. Now I'm not saying you might not pray for that. But verse 8, God might say, wait a minute, you need it. You've got to have the mind of Paul. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see? Paul wants the strength of Christ in him. He's not wanting to stand on his own two feet like we sometimes say. He says, I want Christ to stand in me and hold me up. That's when I'm strong. When Christ is with me. It's an interesting thought. It's a true thought. It's a way that You know, it's kind of counterculture, the way we're brought up. Do things on your own, accept responsibility. And I'm not saying we don't do that. But when it comes to these spiritual things and living the life that God wants us to live, overcoming adversity, fighting temptation, doing the right thing, we need help. And we need God's help. And we need to admit our weaknesses, and call on God to bring us through the power of God's grace Philippians 4:19 My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus the power of God's grace Understand, His power only comes when you admit your weaknesses and turn to Him. And here's a thought I just kind of penciled in here yesterday. The world and your loved ones and your friends need to see the power of God working in you To overcome your problems. Going back to Isaiah 40. If the world just sees us as Christians. Moping through, struggling through, crawling through problems just like they do. What's Christianity hold out for them? We're no different. We should be soaring. We should be calling on God to help us out. I'm not saying we don't have trouble. I'm not saying you don't grieve. I'm not saying you don't have concerns. But God says, I will help you soar over these things. Run like the wind. I will give you the strength to walk the great distances like the camel. I'm using prophetic language, folks. So you can endure these things. And the world can see that when you have trouble, you're different. Because you have help. You have strength. You're not moping around and saying, it's the end of the world because this happened to me. No, it's not. We as Christians need to be different. And rely upon the grace of God when these things come. we close out. Again, as always, offering the invitation, we know that by God's grace we are saved because He sent His Son, His great favor to us because He loved us, the whole human race, everyone. If you're ready to obey the gospel this morning and accept God's grace, understand your weakness. You cannot save yourself. You're not good enough. And without Christ, if you're not in Christ, you stand condemned Before God. But he will set you free. When you're baptized, you're baptized into Christ. And freed from sin. If you are a Christian, and you've been trying to make it on your own, wow. You need to give that up. You need to get with God. You need to be like Paul and say, hey, I'm weak. I need your help, Lord. Maybe you'd like for us to pray with you this morning about something specifically, or maybe just your approach to your Christian walk. We'd be glad to do that. But I encourage you, if your approach to life is not like Paul's, you really need to read this over and make a big change in your life. If you want to come this morning, please come while Brother Jim leads us.